This episode brought to you by Progressive. Most of you aren't just listening right now. You're driving, cleaning, and even exercising. But what if you could be saving money by switching to Progressive? Drivers who save by switching save nearly $750 on average. And auto customers qualify for an average of seven discounts. Multitask right now. Quote today at Progressive.com. Progressive Casualty Insurance Company and Affiliates. National average 12-month savings of $744 by new customers surveyed who saved with Progressive between June 2022 and May 2023. Potential savings will vary. Discounts not available in all states and situations. Passion, drive, and patience. The formula for winning championships is also what keeps your ride or die alive. eBay Motors has everything you need to maintain your vehicle and level it up to peak performance. Superchargers, roof racks, exhaust kits, LED headlights, and more. Whether you're into speed, power, or style, eBay Motors has you covered. With over 122 million parts for your number one ride or die, you'll always find exactly what you're looking for. And with eBay Guaranteed Fit, your part is guaranteed to fit your ride every time or your money back. Because with eBay Motors, you're burning rubber, not cash. With all the parts you need at the prices you want, it's easy to make your car the MVP and bring home huge wins. Keep your ride or die alive at ebaymotors.com. Eligible items only. Exclusions apply. See ebaymotors.com. This is At The Turn. It's time for discussion and interviews about the world of golf you won't hear anywhere else. Here are your hosts, Nick Heidelberger and Joe Simons. America annihilates Europe at Whistling Straits. 19-9 is the final in the Ryder Cup. Nick, domination from start to finish. The U.S. Tider won each session in the Ryder Cup. Remarkable. It's insane. I am I'm very surprised. It's like when you are a, I don't know, I'm a Detroit Tigers fan. It's like when you're a Tigers fan and they're like, you know, 15 games over 500 and it's the trade deadline and you're like, oh my God. Are we buyers? Like, are we going to close this thing out? And you're just waiting. Like, at any moment, it's going to completely fall apart. And it didn't fall apart. That's incredible. Is it like but when you know you're what? a Lions the, fan? The, wait a minute. Wait a well, minute. Well, there's you, no you, analogy for the Lions because it was a dominating win for the Americans. So there's <laughs> literally no analogy for the Detroit Lions. That's, that's completely um, fair. At some point in the history of this podcast, you told me the Ryder Cup does not matter until the United States wins on European soil. And I was like, secretly, like, what a stupid take by Joe. Like, that's so like, I can't believe he said that. But I actually think now that it's marinated for probably four years, like, that's so accurate. So this matters for a couple of reasons. Because of how they won, they dominated from start to finish. We'll get to the individual performances, the winners, the losers. We'll look ahead to Rome in 2023. But here's why this matters. Because the United States won in such overwhelming fashion, it's a big deal. If they won by the skin of their teeth, I think it would be more of a we're worried here rather than celebrating the Ryder Cup. But because it was such a complete domination, it does matter. That being said... All they did was hold serve. They hold so they they held serve in the most impressive way anyone has held serve in the history of this event. And I'm talking the modern era when it was Europe, Europe versus the U.S. 1979 up until now. So that era, this is the most dominating performance. It's the most points a team has had. So it does matter a lot. But until they get it done in Europe, 
there's going to be a big asterisk next to it. I mean, Nick, this is the first time the U.S. has won back-to-back Ryder Cups in the U.S. in 38 years. So it's not like they're cleaning up on home soil either. They're now 5-4 and four against Europe over the last 30 years. Yeah, at home. At home. Yeah. That's just, the road record is not good. No, no, no. Um, I think it's time we start talking about Italy in 2023. And obviously we can unpack what happened today. But I, my, my first thought, like once – the Americans pulled this off and I saw like I, I saw they clinched and it was like 14 to 6. So like they clearly had the rest of the day to just just pile the points on. And my first thought is, damn it, Stricker's not gonna be the captain again in, in 2023. Which what other sport do you get a huge like triumph and then see you later? Like, congrats, Bill Belichick. You just won your first Super Bowl. All right, you've got that on your resume. Now we're gonna now we're gonna let Emmett Smith coach the team. It's like, what? Why the hell would you do that? So, what are you saying? You want to have happen in Rome? I want you know, Stricker to be the captain indefinitely, at least for 2023. Let him go overseas. Let him get a taste of what it's like on the road. Like it's the perfect cadence. He he captained. I believe he captained a President's Cup team. Now he's captained a home Ryder Cup team. He got to ease into it. He he looks like a genius. Now he can take that experience. Like, what better person to then go into the most difficult Ryder Cup scenario? Like now he's got this this experience. He's done it. He's he he looks smart. He made some some very good decisions, some really good pairings, everything he did. He pushed all the right buttons. What better person than him? to go try to do it in the toughest environment where we most desperately need the win. Okay. I hear what you're saying. It would be not unprecedented, but nearly unprecedented for someone to repeat as Ryder Cup captain. Do you know the last time it happened, Nick? Because I was curious. I looked it up. Well, I think DL3 did it twice, but he, he got two home games. Is that is that right? Yeah, DL three had a break in between his, and that's happened he many the times. One off, he said, "Well, this this isn't <laughs> that's not my cup of tea." So the last person to do it, Ben Hogan in 1947, which actually that Ryder Cup took place in the state of Oregon, and then 1949 back to back, he was the captain. That's the last time it happened. Palmer didn't do it. Nicholas didn't do it. Trevino, I think, was only the captain once. Uh, you're gonna go back a long way. So I would that's be so stupid. It's so stupid. Don't you think? How does that make how does it make any sense? Okay. In what as, other in what other sport or what other like where else is this acceptable? I think it's very very strange, but I did so you you want to do this now because I did Let's way too much it. research. We're, here. Okay. We're already here. I did I did way too much research into this. Basically from so I took the last time the US won in Europe, 1993. And then I looked at all the Ryder Cup captains from 1995 through today, okay? To try to come up with a profile. What what kind of person is the captain for the U.S. Ryder Cup team? And I omitted Tom Watson. So Tom Watson in 2014, old man Watson, that was an aberration. The rest of the captains, there is a very clear profile. The average number of wins this golfer has is 16 PGA Tour wins. 
They've won one major. They've made like five Ryder Cup appearances. Okay. Their average age is 48 years old. So all I did was I took the captains, you know, so Lanny Watkins, Tom White, Ben Cren- Tim- Tom Kite, Ben Crenshaw, Curtis Strange, all the way up through Steve Stricker. I looked at their wins, their majors, their Ryder Cup appearances, their age to come up with the profile, Nick. 16 wins, one major, five Ryder Cup appearances. The age is 48. The age of the Ryder Cup captain, it is scary how the, the variance is so small. It's 54 to Steve Stricker to 46 at Lanny Watkins. So Stricker's the oldest, like the oldest Ryder Cup captain? In the last 25, 26 years, yes. Otherwise, it's like 46, 47, 48, 47, 46. It's it's crazy. So what I tried to do was, because I honestly thought going into this, it would be a Tiger versus Phil, because it's like, hey, guess what? This is the most important Ryder Cup in 30 years from America's perspective. You got to get the big alpha male of this generation in there to do it, either Tiger or Phil. Cameron, I give you credit. Thank you so much. He responded to a poll that I put out, and he said, I think it's going to be Zach Johnson. So I looked at it, and here's Zach Johnson. 12 wins, two majors, five Ryder Cups. When 2023 comes around, he's going to be 46 years old. Nick, Zach Johnson, since 2006, has played for or vice-captained Team USA in every Ryder Cup with the exception of 2008. So he played five out of six, was the vice captain in 2018, vice captain again in 2021. I looked at the other vice captains. No one else really fits this profile. So I think it's down to four people. Tiger, Phil, Strick, Zach Johnson. I don't think there's anyone else in the equation because the other vice captains are people who have captained a few times like Davis Love. Fred Couples, who captained the President's Cup team a few times, and it's kind of past the point that he would be a um, a debutante captain, for lack of a better word. I think it's those four guys, Tiger Phil, Zach Johnson, Steve Stricker. I, I think it's a foregone conclusion it's going to be Zach Johnson. Like, I was, I was at my wife's soccer game today at halftime, refreshing Twitter, tw- trying to find how the matches were going, and all I could get was like, yeah, Zach Johnson's going to be the next Ryder Cup captain. And I'm like, why? So I, I, I think it's a foregone conclusion. It's not, it's not, nothing's obviously official, but I think, I, I think it's going to happen. But I think Tiger will be your, the worst mistake. I, I don't think, I, I just don't think that. Even after the work. President's Cup success in 2019. Yeah, but like, so could my nine month old son. Wow. Joe, how hard is it to captain a U.S. team to President's Cup success? And they barely won, if I remember correctly. Well, thanks and to the Tiger they won. He was more valuable as a player than a captain. Exactly. exactly. The, the so, best thing he could do was know when to sit himself and when to play himself. So you don't think Phil wants any part of this? You don't think Phil... No. Oh, oh, Phil desperately wants it. But should we ignore the fact that this is... Phil was an assist, a vice captain this year? Is that is that yeah. right? I think I saw. Oh my there. god! Yeah, him him and Amy were just it was it was a photo op for them for for three days. Those two ridiculous. Yeah. I mean, it's it's the first one the United States. Or it's the first one he hasn't played in 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 since ninety three, and it's the most dominant United States victory ever. Maybe those things are coincidence. Phil really wants it. He'd be fifty three. 
the the chances of him playing well enough to make the team, given that he won a major this year, wasn't playing well enough to make the team, seems like a pretty big long shot in in two years. It seems as though to me, based on the captains, the ages, sort of the history of the last 26 years, the captaincy has been treated by the U.S. team as a career achievement award. Exactly. Ra- this rather is not- than, yeah, rather than something that is actually like, hey, we need to beat Europe. And it all kind of came together with Steve Stricker because it was in Wisconsin. Nick, I don't know if you know, but the Ryder Cup was in Wisconsin. Where's Stricker from? Anyways, I I meant to ask you. Cheeseheads and Packers. I mean, I get it. I get it. But like enough after a while. Which I hate that so much. It's like, oh, it's going to Wisconsin. Let's give it to this guy because he's from there. It's like that's how you're deciding your captain who's going to lead this team to this event that you say is so important. Like who is it a convenient guy to give it to? But wait a minute. Now you're contradicting yourself because you said Stricker is so good. You want him to be the captain again in 23. I do, 100%. I think the logic of why they give it to certain guys at certain times and, like, the convenience of of that is absolute bullshit. Like, is this this something we're taking seriously or is it not? We need to decide. Is it a feel-good story or is it something we want to win? And it seems like it's something we want to win. So why don't we put our best foot forward? Well, now they are, and give Stricker – all the credit in the world, man, because he changed the selection process. He had six captain's picks and it afforded him the opportunity to assemble literally the best team in the history of this event from a world ranking perspective. On paper, it was the best team ever. And on the golf course, it looked like the best team ever. I mean, Dustin Johnson, Patrick Cantlay and Colin Morikawa beat the European team by themselves. If you add their points together. Yeah. And I, I I just think that's the best argument. Like you can't make an argument to give it to anybody other than Stricker if you, if your goal is to go in and give yourself the best chance of winning it in Europe. With all that you just said, like who knows how much or how little credit the captain should get? But you can't really make a better case for a captain than what Stricker has just done in this Ryder Cup. So why, like, I just want someone to tell me why you would give it to anybody other than him. Because that's, this isn't a good reason. And I don't necessarily you, disagree with that's how with it's always been say. done and we've always lost in Europe, then yeah. that's the best reason. I I would be very, very surprised if it's Steve, if it's Steve Stricker. Wouldn't you? And it's I'm not, not saying be, it's right gonna or be wrong. Johnson. Okay, so you would be very surprised if it's Steve Stricker. I'd be shocked. <laughs> I would be shocked too. Zach Johnson, he 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 fits the profile. He's been involved with this for a long time. I do wonder because they make such a big deal about like, oh, it's a it's a new guard and it's a new generation of players and we're going to be here for a long time. So Zach's been around the Ryder Cup for a while as I said earlier, but does Brooks Kepka vibe with Zach Johnson, Daniel Berger and, and Zach Johnson? Like who who is Zach Johnson really like vibing with in the locker room? Because they make such a big deal about, oh God, well, Team USA, they sure love their ping pong and all this kind of stuff. And it's like, maybe we'll just assemble the best team and beat the hell out of Europe again. Let's do yeah. that. As long as Zach Johnson, I don't really care who the captain is. Like I, I've I've thought about this a lot. 
Before the week started, I thought it's got to be Phil, but I, now I realize that that's doesn't really make sense. Zach Johnson's fine. Steve Stricker is fine. As long as it's someone who doesn't mess with what's happening, take the best players in the world. On average, the best players in the world are American. If you take the top Americans and the top Euros, do that, go with God, win in Rome, and it's done. It's done. By the way, holy cow. I I accidentally just said the terrible headline that's going to be like all over every golf Twitter and like win magazine. in Rome. Win in Rome, W I N in Rome, win the, if, if the U.S. wins. Yeah. Can we actually talk about that? We spent 15 minutes of the captains right out of the gate. Can we actually talk about what happened in this Ryder Cup? I guess, yeah. Is that okay? Yeah. I don't think so, we need to, you know, touch on every every stroke, but I think we no. can. I think we can hit on the highlights. Well, how I want to go about it, Nick, is I, I don't want to do a blow by blow or anything like that, but I just want to talk about the winners and the losers of the Ryder Cup, not USA and Europe, but right. just things. So obviously, and I, I don't know if you disagree with this, the the biggest winner of of the Ryder Cup to me is Dustin Johnson. He went five and zero. Oh, the first time a Team USA player has done that since 1979. He only played the 18th hole once all week because all of his matches were wrapped up pretty mm-hmm. early. He did it with Xander as his teammate. He did it with Morikawa as his teammate, and he did it by himself. And his form wasn't great coming in. His Ryder Cup record was below average coming in, and he had the best individual Ryder Cup in 40 years. Yeah, it's a big flex. Uh, I believe he went one and four in Paris. So to go five and zero oh and, and be that buzzsaw, um, that's a good bounce back. It's a really good bounce back. Uh, debutants literally for the best. Team USA. Oh my god, so good. Kalamorikawa three zero oh and one. Pat Cantley two zero oh and two. Scotty Scheffler two zero oh and one. And Scheffler. Beat the hell out of John Rahm, winning the first four holes in his singles match. Scotty Scheffler getting it done. He was also paired with Bryson, where he went 1-0-1. So, the rookies. Big win for Team USA rookies, Nick. Those are my winners. Scheffler beating Rahm today was, was insane. Like When I saw the pairings, my first thought was, okay, good. We're not wasting somebody who like we're counting on a win from. On Rom, because I thought Rom was was the DJ. I thought he was no chance he was going to lose. I thought he was for sure going to go out number one and take down whoever was in his path. When I saw he was playing Scheffler, I'm like, that's fine. We're, we're not, you know, we don't have to get Scheffler's point to win. And then I'm like, holy shit, Scheffler's four up through four. Like he's going to close this thing out on the tenth hole. Like that was that was an awesome showing from Scotty Scheffler today and and all week. Um, I I watched Scotty Scheffler and Bryson DeChambeau's post round interview yesterday, and I was just waiting for Bryson to be like, "I'm a really bad teammate in this event because of my style of play. Like, I'm either gonna bomb at four seventeen or like hit it in Lake Michigan. And either way, you got to deal with it." Uh, he didn't quite say that, but the moral of the story is Scotty Scheffler put up with that and got a point and a half in two matches with Bryson, which is. Probably a lot of work and a lot of stress to go through that. They're buddies from Texas. I think that probably helps too. They uh, they know each other, so I think it was a good pairing. I'm 
very pleased that all these rookies got all this good stuff under their belt. Like even Harris English went one and two, but I think he had a good Ryder Cup, like even despite the fact that he lost those two matches because he had a good singles match. It's always, it's tough because it's one of those things where when the Ryder Cup is like decided and you're still on the course, like how much juice do you really have to try to beat Lee Westwood down on his 11th Ryder Cup that he's been in? Like let old man Lee win. It's fine. You're going to party. You had yeah. a good Ryder Cup. Like All you're that's always a strange is, spot. What's the fastest result for this mat to match to get to so I can yeah. go party with my bros? Yeah. Exactly. So I thought the rookies two and a half more hours to win or lose in the next 45 minutes. Like, you know what the answer to that is. I have, I have two more for team USA specifically two two more winners, even though everyone was awesome. Mm -hmm. Uh, Obviously Steve Stricker, we talked about him way too long already. So I'm going to skip that. Justin Thomas went two one and one. Now I watched a lot of golf on, on Friday. Thanks Lacey. If you're listening, uh, we just like almost all day. I didn't do I didn't do any work during the day and I worked like at night because I was just so engrossed with the Ryder Cup. So Justin Thomas, he and Spieth first match out, lose to Ram and Garcia as pretty much everybody as as everybody did. Yeah. Um, and then in the second match that Thomas was in, he was down 3 in the afternoon session like after 8 holes and you're like, "Oh my god, Justin Thomas is going to go 0 and 2." And then he battled back to earn a half, but he was like thumping his chest the whole time and like getting into it. So he earns that half point and then wins a match on Saturday morning and then dominates Tyrrell Hatton on Sunday. It's not one of the things that's like going to be talked about, like next to DJ next to Cantlay and Morikawa, but those two and a half points JT got and like the emotional half that they were able to get in the afternoon of the Friday session was the sort of momentum that kind of spurs you on, you win the session in dominating fashion. You take that big league into the Saturday. I was really impressed with Justin Thomas. Yeah. I mean, I, I watched a decent amount. I, I think I, I missed the uh, gimme gate whole situation where uh, he, the lack of, of conceded putts kind of fueled somewhat of a comeback. I didn't see him play incredible, but the two one on one record obviously is a guy going into the thing they were relying on, and um, you know two and a half points. That's that's solid. Absolutely, the big comeback. The comeback is huge because like, for the Americans to win those first three sessions, three and one, uh, three to one, and then hold on to that lead and not give up any ground going into today. Like if it would have been ten six today, going into Sunday, that would have been significantly more scary than 11-5. Absolutely. So getting that comeback win, I think they were three down in the middle of that match and to come back and win on Saturday afternoon, get that point, go 2-2 for the United States in that afternoon, that that was huge. On the Europe side, Nick, Sergio was awesome. He went That's three- off to Sergio. I mean, that, that that's out of all the... You know, Sergio is probably the best golfer to only have one major, like t- from a from a talent perspective. But to be the all time winningest Ryder Cup point scorer in history is uh, is a pretty awesome consolation, I would say. It looks good on his resume, and he already was coming into the event, and he adds mm-hmm. three points to it, so twenty eight point five, adding to his all time record. And Nick, I was curious. We, everyone talked about the Spanish domination. 
Now, because Rom was so steady, Sergio was fantastic. So I looked. The three most prolific Spanish golfers in the Ryder Cup era, Seve Ballesteros, multiple Masters winner, Jose Maria Olafable, multiple Masters winner, Sergio Garcia, Masters winner. You add up all their points in Ryder Cup. Sergio had 28 and a half. Seve had 22 and a half. Jose Maria had 23. That's 74 points total. Europe entered this competition in 1979. Sergio Seve and Jose Maria Olafable have 17% of every European point that has ever been scored in the Ryder Cup. Spanish domination. That's pretty insane. It's unbelievable. And you have other Spanish golfers. I of of European Ryder Cup history because these numbers you're pulling out from like going back to the 70s is pretty impressive. The Ryder Cup stuff is actually pretty easy to find, folks. If if you want to do your own deep dive, I, I mean, don't. That that's why we're here. But you could, you absolutely yeah. could. And I left out Spanish golfers. If you include uh, Rafa Cabrera, Brero, John Rahm, a few other Spanish guys in there, you're probably talking like one fifth of the points for Europe has yeah. been Spain. So pretty pretty impressive. I mentioned John Rahm. He went three one and one. Um, Vic Hovland is a sneaky one. He did not win a match. He went oh two and three. But did you put any money on him for for uh, high point score? I, I put money on him for top Euro, and he just missed out. Um, no, he didn't. He went he went oh two and three, but he hit a ton of good shots. He was in a lot of tough spots. He had terrible partners all week, and it was just a really really tough spot. But Vic Hovland, being the youngest one on the team. I think I think he's going to be on European Ryder Cup teams for a long time, and I'm probably going to pick him to win the Masters, Nick. Just so you know, he's probably cool. already my pick to okay. win the Masters. That's cool. Um, two more two more wins, and then I'll stop. Whistling Straits, the venue was absolutely incredible, especially the finish on the back nine. Like there wasn't a ton of huge points decided on the last two holes, but when we did get them, that long par three and then the par four, that incredibly hard 18th, the finishing mm-hmm. hole. Absolutely fantastic. It was, it's, it's, it's a really cool venue. You could tell the fans were just going nuts the whole time as they always do in the Ryder Cup, but Lake Michigan as the backdrop was phenomenal. Yeah, that, that was fun. It's, it's always a challenge to have a match play course because they, the course gets, they get a, they get afraid that if they have a really good finishing hole, it's not going to, be showcased because these matches you're going to get DJ out there who's going to play five matches and only play the 18 hole once. And so you you have to it, it's great to have a strong challenging finishing hole, but you also have to have holes that set it up 15 16 17 really good holes too and Whistling Straits definitely had that. And by the way, I don't know if you caught this tidbit, but no match on Friday morning made it to 18 and the PGA of America moved the pin location. <laughs> <laughs> so no one, no one saw the, where the flag was on Stick Friday morning, plan. and they still Stick wanted to move plan. it on Friday that's, afternoon. That, that, that's funny. Um, Do you have any more winners? One guy, I, I just, I just gotta throw it out there yeah. before we move on to, to match play because I do want to talk about that. A Bryson man, he he took off the the nerdy hat, he put on the regular hat. Yeah. He's got a bunch of fans. Different guy. Um, it, it was. It was really kind of interesting to see how he would perform in this event because he's got that long drive thing coming up. He's, you know, a guy that, you know, he's very controversial. Nobody likes him playing with Brooks, not with Brooks, but in the same team. 
I, I thought he did himself a lot of favors. And I, I before I had to cut out today, I saw him just drive the green on number one. Everyone's going crazy. He's waving his putter like, hey, guys, I'm about to go putt. Rolls in a 40-foot 40 40 foot eagle putt on the first hole on top of Sergio. And it's just like, damn, where, where did this come from? Like, how can you not be entertained by this guy in this moment? By the time you're listening to this, Bryson DeChambeau might be not only a Ryder Cup victor, but the world long drive champion. So if he is, congratulations, and I hope he didn't get hurt. He acquitted himself nicely in this event. Um, he had a real rough Ryder Cup in Paris. Nice pairing with Scotty Scheffler. It's good that they found someone to stick with Bryson, mm-hmm. and it actually worked. And I don't know if you saw, but there was a photo Bryson Brooks embracing Justin Thomas insisted that they hug for the media. And so there there's, there's a great photo of them hugging and all the players are just laughing in the background. I so, did not see that, but I will have to check it out. It's on our Instagram. Check it out at, at the turn pod. What's that? What's that Instagram at the turn pod. <laughs> okay. Let me check it out. And he had a really nice Ryder cup. Um, he did crazy Bryson things. He hit a tee shot 417 yards and NBC didn't capture it on live TV, so that was cool. And I just really enjoyed what he had to do. So good on Bryson. I'm, I'm glad you brought him up. Nick, can I get to the losers, and can I start with the television coverage? The coverage was god-awful. Like, holy shit. I, I The whole time I was watching this, like, Your computer's I was bad about it too. babysitting a nine-month-old. But I'm like, I, there's no way it's just on me that I'm missing all of this stuff. Like... How I, I just got no rhythm, no flow. Missing, I, Rory had an eagle putt. He was the first guy out today. He was like in the third hole, and they couldn't find a way to to show the putt. I, it was it was bad. It doesn't seem that hard to have a camera trained on Bryson DeChambeau when the opportunity for him to hit a ball four hundred and twenty five yards exists. How do you not have that set up? How have you not been paying attention to what this guy has been doing in practice rounds and say, hey, if he goes for this, we got to get this on top tracer. We got to have where this ball could land. We got to send Gary Coke out there in a suit on Tuesday to show how crazy the shot is in anticipation of him maybe doing this. NBC has had golf for decades. How are they not prepared for this moment? And even when they showed it on tape delay, first of all, it takes the camera guy, I don't know, like 15 seconds to find where the ball is. Second of all, there's zero context because they say like, oh, he's taking a crazy line. I'm like, okay, it's weird. It's like 45 degrees off from where everybody else is, is hitting it. Okay, fine. I, I had to go on to like Google and find like the shape of the hole, yeah. what line he was taking, what line everybody else is taking. Like, why is that so hard to contextualize? And the other thing before you answer that, I'm just going to I'm just going to like segue into something completely different. Again, I think it was this morning. I forget who hit the shot, but somebody hit a shot into a par 3 early on, like two or three matches on the course. And the ball like you just see it like skip through the screen, but you couldn't really tell where it went. And they're like, "Not sure where that is. Well, we're going to go to commercial." It's like, <laughs> "No, tell me where the goddamn ball is before you go to a commercial." Yeah, they have to figure it out, and they clearly haven't by now. It's it's pretty disappointing. Uh, I would say overall, I give it about a B minus, which is pretty much what I always give NBC, 
which is still better than CBS, but there, it's just so much easier. And Nick, I know you don't watch European golf like I do, but it's so frustrating to be someone who watches European golf and American golf. I obviously watch more American golf, but when I'm up early on a weekend, I always check out European golf. The coverage is so much better over there. They do so much less frills. They show you more golf. They show you more interesting camera angles. The announcers are better. It's not just the accents. It's such a better product, European golf, and it's so disappointing that America can't figure out what Europe does with golf coverage. It's so much better. And I have one big bone to pick with the broadcasting specifically, the broadcasters. Okay. Both Zinger on NBC and Rich Lerner on the Golf Channel. I get you're excited. I get that it's the most lopsided victory in the history of the Ryder Cup as long as they've been playing Europe. But they were both talking about the fact that the U.S. has an opportunity to dominate for years to come. That may bear out over time, fellas. The U.S. has not won the Ryder Cup in Europe since 1993. I cannot stress this enough. It's been so long since it happened. Yes, they're going to be a favorite in Europe, probably a heavy favorite. But until you actually do it, it doesn't matter. We have to actually see it. We have to actually see it. It drove me nuts. It's the same overreaction that golf gets with every winner. I mean, every time Danny Willett won the Masters, man, this guy could be good for, for the next 10, 15 years. He's only in his late 20s. You know, he, he could really rack up four or five, six of these things. It, it's the same thing on repeat. And again, like, I, I just need to keep referencing other sports. Like Butler goes to the national championship game. Nobody's saying like they could be good for the next 50 years. They're like, hey, man, they caught lightning in a bottle. Good for them. They had a great run. They'll remember this for a long time. Like, why can't they just say like good three days for the Americans? Let's see what happens next. That's not the way this works, unfortunately. No. And I <laughs> wish someone would be maybe maybe Brandel Shamley. Someone needs to be the voice of pragmatism and it just would be say Brandel. it would be it, Brandel. It would, and Somebody yeah. just needs to say, guys, this was a, the most dominant performance ever, but they haven't won in Europe in 30 years. Until they do, that's going to be the monkey on the back, and it exists. If they lose that's in Rome and they're heavy favorites, that's an embarrassment. It is. Plus, it's it's golf. Like, you think that Patrick Cantlay is that much better than Rory McIlroy in, in two years from now? Rory's not going to be playing better. Like, you don't know what's going to happen over the course of five five matches, five sessions of matches from, like, the number four guy in the world to the number 17 guy in the world. Like, literally anything could happen. It's a break here, a break there that decides these matches for a lot of them. Yeah, and think about it. The top points earner in 2018, Francesco Molinari, went 5-0, and wasn't even on the European Ryder Cup team. A lot changes in two years. A lot changes in two years so i gotta get to the losers um i'm looking How at europe you put on uh Wiesberger for uh a top point uh earner Patrick mcdonald thank you so much for talking me out of burn Wiesberger at 22 to 1 as top points earner Wiesberger, fitzpatrick paul casey you know what they all had in common nick goose eggs donuts they got nothing that was tough that was tough rory and Poults. 
awful in team play. They were terrible in team play and both won their singles matches to save a little bit of face. Ian Poulter is both a winner and a loser because he is still unbeaten in seven singles matches in the Ryder Cup. A pretty remarkable stat. Probably his last Ryder Cup. It's it's it's, it's probably it's, his last one. It's, it's got to be. be. Yeah. Um, the only other loser. No, that was it. That was all the losers that I had, Nick. Did you have anything else on winners or losers? No, no, I think, uh, nope. Now, I know you want to talk about match play, but mm-hmm. I have a very important question to ask you before mm-hmm. we do. Do you know what they call a quarter pounder with cheese? Nope. In Paris. Oops, I, I, I didn't finish. <laughs> I was going to go, I just, just still know. <laughs> a quarter pounder with cheese in Paris, they don't call a quarter pounder because they don't have the metric system mm-hmm. in Paris. So you know what they call it? Still don't know. A, a Royale with cheese. Oh. You know what else the Royale with cheese is? No. That's my favorite ball marker by Matchstick Golf. Mm. Friends, this is the best ball marker company in the game. They're flying off the shelves. I got the Royale with cheese. I got the one-eyed alligator from Happy Gilmore. My personal favorite, the stack of cash. I haven't been using that one because, Nick, I can't make a putt. But I still look good. I still look good missing from three feet with matchstick golf. Folks, I'm telling you, they are incredible ball markers for yourself, incredible gifts for the golfers in your life. They're very high quality. They're very thin. They're the right size. They're not those embarrassing poker chips. Nick, I play with three old men today. It was like I was playing five-card stud out there. There were so many (laughs) poker chips on the greens. It was embarrassing. I had my nice little Royale with cheese. Yeah. It was tasty. Use promo code TURN15 at checkout for 15% off the best ball markers in the game. Matchstick Golf, set fire to the greens. Not like me, set fire to the greens. Match play. Now, PGA of America runs the Ryder Cup for the U.S. side. PGA of America runs my fourth favorite major championship, the PGA Championship. Now, the PGA Championship, up until 1957, was a match play event. Walter Hagen mm-hmm. won five of these babies in the Roaring Twenties, wearing the knickers. They were match play. Let's bring it back. Now, Nick, before you dive in, I can already hear the patrons out there saying, but Joe, what about the PGA pros? Because I got to see PGA pros try to make the cut in my major championship golf. I have to see it. Fine. Here's what we do. We still take the 156-player field that you're used to, okay? You're nice and warm and fuzzy. This new PGA Championship, it's a five-day event. Wednesday, Mm. Thursday, Friday, 54 holes, stroke play, top 16. They get into the match play round. Round of 16, round of eight. That takes place on Saturday. Sunday, the final four. Okay, you got your semifinals in the morning. You got your championship match in the afternoon. One-on-one for a major championship? Let's go, baby. Let's go. I mean, I'm a, I'm 100% for the format. I think we, we need something like this, especially for a major. Like, God, you know what nobody is saying? I think I tweeted this like it feels like two weeks ago. Like, the Ryder Cup should be 72-hole stroke play event. Like, No. No, because it's stupid. Because anytime you do something different, it's exciting and it makes it fun. So 
Why not for a major championship to do that? I'm all about it. Of course, it's never going to happen. Um, I think the place to do it is the FedEx Cup Championship. Personally, you want to say that it's a playoff. You want to say that you're you're like, how much better would bringing the top 16 or 32 to the last stage of the playoffs and doing a bracket and instead of like some guy starting 10 under par. Match but, play in general just doesn't happen enough. Doesn't happen enough in the pros. It doesn't happen enough for amateur golfers. I've been playing golf for 25 years. I think I've played four or five match play matches in my life in a competition setting. It's too bad. It's too bad. It's a really fun format. And the professionals should do it more often. The match play tournament is really fun when it's on TV. I understand why they don't want to do it or why there are not multiple match play events. Because for television, it can be really rough. Especially if your final is not two guys that people care about. And that's the problem and why they won't do it. Like if your final four is John Rahm, Dustin Johnson, Jordan Spieth, and Bryson DeChambeau, that's the Super Bowl. Yeah, yeah. But you get... There's a lot of things. You can't really predict who's going to get through because, again, it's golf, and the number one guy and the number 64 guy aren't separated by that much. So it's not that unlikely that a 64 over one would happen, and now all of a sudden you don't have Tiger Woods or the equivalent of in your event. And number two, you can't really predict how long the matches are going to last. Like If right. you close somebody out six and five, like what are we going to do with this other 45, 50 minutes? You know, and... There's there's the 72 hole stroke play as stale as it as it is from a television product standpoint, it's predictable and that's how they can get the most money out of it, which is why it's what they do. I just hate it. I yeah. hate that we don't experiment more in general with professional golf. And think of the matchups, think of the rivalries we would get. Like if you if you had stroke play once a month, every, you know, every four tournaments, one was match a match play. play event, Yeah, you know, like just think of these matches that would come to fruition and, and think of like the little antics that would go on and the rivalries and the kind of personalities that we would see. I mean, think of guys like Brooks, Bryce, JT, Patrick Reed, Ian Poulter, like Sergio Garcia, John Rom, like these guys who have all this emotion in a match play one-on-one where it's me versus you for four hours. Like how much more fun would that be? Yeah, it would be a blast. It's a bummer because I think we both know it's never going to happen. I don't it think it'll even be ever on the table. It'd be a lot of fun. And you're right. It comes down to how viable it is as a television product. And it just isn't. The randomness in it, it just makes it too difficult. You're way more likely to get a stinker of a matchup than you are Brooks versus Bryson. But if you did have 18 holes to decide a major championship between Brooks and Bryson or any number of the top 15 guys, it'd be appointment television. And it's a shame that that's never going to happen. It's a shame. I mean, even if you look at like the match play tournament, which has existed in some form for like 30, 35 years, you've never had a Tiger versus Phil. There was never VJ versus Ernie Els for the title. You got the big name in there sometimes, but it was always against sort of a lesser known player. It's just very difficult to get that matchup to work out for you. Yeah, but what an opportunity to get to know that other guy. Agreed. Agreed. Uh, Nick, did you have anything else? I had one more item I wanted to get to. No, I got I got nothing else. All right. Well, I planted the seed as we were watching the Ryder Cup. I kind of looked over at my girlfriend, uh, Lacey, and I was like, hey, 
you know where the next Ryder Cup is? She says, where? I said, Rome. She said, oh. I was like, yeah. When in Rome. I mean, if we if we start if we start planning now, uh, it's two years from now. We could take a trip to the Mediterranean, do like ten days. We could catch a couple of days of golf. She said, "Yeah, if you take me to the Mediterranean. We can definitely watch some golf." So, folks, I'm just saying, if you're in a relationship where your significant other is not a golfer and you're a golfer, this is a perfect opportunity to get to a Ryder Cup, get to an awesome destination. I hear the golf course is a disaster. People don't seem to like this golf course where it's going to be in 23. Who cares? Can't wait. It's going to be in Rome. I really want to make a romantic getaway and then just exactly. like spend five days watching golf. And uh, yeah, that sounds that's like a good plan. Yeah, we'll take the gondola to the golf course. It'll be perfect. Love it. Let me know how that works out. I will. <laughs> I will. Go to precisionprogolf.com. Use promo code TURN10 at checkout to save some money on some incredible range finders. The USA wins the Ryder Cup. Can they do it again in two years? Stay tuned to find out. I'm Lacey Evans. Thanks for listening. And we'll see you next time at The Turn. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.